Praise God. Lift your right hands to heaven. Father, we rejoice that we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Ghost. What eyes in the Old Testament have not seen and what ears haven't heard, they are revealed to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And so we rejoice that we are born of the Spirit. Therefore, we have access into understanding, into revelation knowledge. I decree that everyone, under the sound of my voice, the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. We rebuke sickness, disease, and infirmities. We command sick bodies be healed. And we decree that by the end of this service, your people are built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And we're glad to have all of you that are connected to radio. What a joy. And we're glad to have all of you that are connected by various campuses, house centers, Bible study centers all over the world. It's a joy to have everybody here today. Hey guys, listen, especially those of you on the social media community, I want to thank you for all that we do together to flood the earth with the truth of the gospel of Christ. You know, the only hope of men in darkness is light. A little ray of light changes everything in the midst of a dark world. Ladies and gentlemen, we know better than we have ever known that what the world needs today is this message that is coming from this pulpit. So do me a favor, social media community, help me share the video, put them on different groups, as many as you can access, create watch parties, drop them on monogram, telegram, put them on WhatsApp groups. Let's flood the entire Blue Marble planet with the truth of the gospel of Christ. And I want to thank you for helping to get the gospel out there on behalf of Christ Jesus himself. And I want to appreciate everybody in the building. Now we're excited. Can we celebrate the word with a shout? Let's celebrate the word with a shout. Glory. Amen. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self. Grab your pen, your notebook, and your Bible. Let's get in the word. Glory to God. Understanding, praise, and worship. Now, the book of Acts of the Apostles, if you have a good Bible, Acts of the Apostles, Chapter 20, verse number 20, Acts 20, 20. Brother Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. That's the responsibility of a pastor to make sure there are no gray areas in your understanding of the text of scripture. He said, I have not kept back from you anything that was profitable unto you. I have not kept back anything. That is, I have taught you, you know, across the board, every subject of scripture. I have taught you everything I think you need to know, both in the church and from house to house. 
So you further see that house churches are not an invention. They are not a contemporary invention. It's not a brand that we're trying to promote. House churches are doctrinal institutions where people are equipped, taught, and trained. So therefore, if you're a member of this church and you are staying away from the house churches, I want you to know in black and white, you are living in disobedience to the word of God and disobedience to sound doctrine. I mean, it's so replete all over the scriptures. People were meeting both in the church and house to house because that is where effective discipleship and effective ministry takes place in very little groups. Because when we gather like this as a whole house, it's difficult for us to be able to interact effectively. But when we meet in little groups in houses, that is where we interact. That is where the things we are learning get more established. That is where we are able to pray together, pray for one another, strengthen one another. That is where we are able to edify one another much more because there were not too many. And it's very easy to go around, to reach out to everybody. And that is where we're able to also look after the welfare of one another. That's where we're able to know whether you're faring well or not, whether you're growing or not. Right here, it is difficult for me to be able to access whether you're growing or not because everybody comes and everybody looks serious and everybody is writing notes. But when you meet in houses, that is where we will know if the notes you're writing were really the notes of what we're teaching or you were just writing something you were thinking. That is why you can't afford not to be in the house-to-house churches. And anybody that avoids the house-to-house churches is a suspect. It means you're not a serious person. It means you yourself don't even believe in what you're doing called Christianity. Because if you really truly believe in what you're doing, you will give it, you know, a touch of commitment, seriousness, accountability, and dedication. Look at it. Brother Paul says, I've not kept anything from you. I have followed you from house to house. I have taught you in the temple because that is the way to really establish doctrine in people. Now, a fundamental ingredient of leadership in the church is the grabs of doctrine. That is to say, if you don't have a grabs of doctrine, you are not fit. You are not qualified to be a leader in the house of God. You are not even qualified to be in any responsibility position. You are not qualified. You can't because a grasp of doctrine is critical. Look at the way brother Paul will communicate to Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse number 16. 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse number 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Don't get tired of hearing them. Don't be a busybody. Don't be restless. Continue in them. They may sound boring. They may not sound exciting. But that is the way sound doctrine is. That's why I said they shall not endure sound doctrine. He didn't say they shall not enjoy. He said they shall not endure. Because sound doctrine could be boring sometimes. Because it's consistent. It's the same thing almost that you're hearing all the time. And when you keep hearing the same thing all the time, sometimes you get bored. You get tired of hearing it. But brother Paul says to Timothy, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine, unto what we're teaching you. Continue in them, for in doing this, in continuing to hear this sound doctrine, in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Doctrine does not mean rules and regulations. 
but teaching and explanation. Didascalia. Teaching and explanation which can involve instructions. Which can involve instructions. Look at First Timothy chapter 4 verse number 11. First Timothy chapter 4 verse number 11. These things command and teach. These things command and teach. That is to say, anyone who cannot explain scriptures must not be put in leadership. Anyone that cannot explain scriptures must not be put in leadership. The church is not a traditional institution. So, people are not put in leadership because they have been in the church for a long time. No, it's not a traditional institution. The church is the house of doctrine. The church is the pillar and ground, the mainstay of sound doctrine. So for you to be a leader in the church of God, for you to be a leader among brethren, you must be sound in doctrine. That is, you must be able to take scriptures the way I do it and explain. You must be able to contextually explain scriptures. That is why I take the time to teach you so that you too can teach others. Brother Paul says, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, Second Timothy 2, 2, the same. Commit unto faithful men who will in turn commit to others. Look at First Timothy chapter 3 verse 2. Anyone who cannot explain scriptures is not fit to be in leadership. A bishop then, a bishop means an overseer, someone that oversees people. Once we put two, three people under you, you're already a bishop. Leave all those things that they wear, choir uniform and things on it. Leave all that. A bishop is anybody that oversees the spiritual well-being of two or three people. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, what is it? I'm there in them. That's a group that you oversee. So, overseeing people makes you a bishop. It's another name for a pastor. A bishop is another name for a pastor. It doesn't mean bishops are senior, pastors are the lowest class, then bishops, then archbishops. All those are just grammar. They are all the same. Archbishop, Pope, Reverend Father, all of them are just titles given to people depending on their denominations. Some denominations are Episcopalian in nature. So they run with certain titles that gives them a structure for the operation of their church government. It doesn't mean the grace on an archbishop is superior to the grace in a pastor. In fact, sometimes a brother in the church can have more grace than a pope. And then a brother in the church that doesn't have a title can have more grace than a pope because grace is a function of revelation knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. That is why a brother Paul now says a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, meaning you are hospitable where brethren are concerned. You know, your hands are open. Your house is open. You know, you live an open life. People can come to you. You are welcoming. You are accommodating. That is the character of a man who is growing spiritually, who is growing to a point where you can oversee people. Given to hospitality, 
Look at the next thing. Opt to teach. That is what qualifies a man to be a leader in the house of God. He must be opt to teach. The word opt to teach means able to teach. He must. He didn't say he could. He said a bishop then must. These are imperative in the life of anybody called a bishop. Must. So he must be able to explain scriptures. All right, And that person must be counted worthy of double honor. When a man is able to explain scriptures, he must be counted worthy of double honor. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. How does an elder or a pastor or a leader rule well? Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For us to say you are a leader that is ruling well, you must be able to explain scripture. That is laboring well. They who labor in word and teaching or in word and explanation, the word didascalia, doctrine, teaching or explanation of the scriptures. Teaching simply means to explain. Teaching simply means to explain. It is done with the mental comprehension of the audience in mind. It is done with the mental comprehension of the audience in mind. So the minister must explain the scriptures. And he does this explanation with the scriptures. Scriptures explaining scriptures. Exegesis. Scriptures explaining scriptures. We see Jesus operating that dimension in Luke chapter 24 verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. Scriptures explaining scriptures. The things concerning himself. The word beginning is an original word for sequential arrangement. Sequential arrangement. Beginning. Because teaching is orderly. Teaching is orderly. No rush. No hurries. No haste. No rush. No hurries. No haste. He took all the pages of the scriptures. Scripture explaining scripture. He expounded. That's the first time that word appears in the Greek lexicon of scripture. He expounded. This means to give meanings. To interpret. To give meaning. Not your subjective meaning. Not your subjective meaning. But the very objective meaning of the scriptures. Not your subjective meaning, but the very objective meaning of scripture. Remember, teaching is never mysterious. Teaching is never mysterious. It is usually very clear. Because the intent for teaching is for the audience to have a mental comprehension of what you seek to communicate. A mental comprehension of what you seek to communicate. Look at the response of these people that Jesus was teaching in Luke 24. 
Luke 24 verse 32. After he expounded to them in all the scriptures. And they said one to another. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? When he was explaining scripture by scripture, our hearts burned. We saw the reality. We had a comprehension of the subject matter. We could now understand what the scriptures have always communicated that we never saw. Their hearts could see it. It burned with clarity. And later on he taught again. Because teaching is gradual. Teaching is gradual. Sometimes you come to church and be wondering, why is Papa repeating it again? He taught it last week, now he's repeating it again. Let's move forward. Let's cover more grounds. No, we are not in a competition. We can't be covering more ground. When the one we covered, you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Talk more of you explaining it. Remember, the intent for teaching is so that you will be able to know so that you too can teach it to somebody else. So we have to teach it and teach it and teach it until it enters you where unconsciously you are saying it without effort. Yeah, it's gradual. It takes time. It takes time. That's why you must be serious to get committed to a church like this. You must be very serious and you must be clear about what you want to do with God. Because if you are not a serious person, you just look for one of those entertainment churches. Where you just go and dance and sing and shout and hug each other and just go home. You know, and you don't know your left from your right, of course. And then when you go home, you look for one prophet in one corner to be seen into the coven for you. To check the crystal ball and tell who is after you. But when you come to a church like this, you don't need to look for somebody to tell who is after you. Because you know who is after you. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody is not shouting a powerful amen. Now, teaching is gradual. Look at, as Jesus continued explaining, that same Luke 24 verse 45. That same Luke chapter 24 verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. In the process of gradual explanation, scripture to scripture, their understanding opened to know the scriptures. The term understanding was used twice. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand twice. Implies to put the facts together. To put the facts together. Here, the teacher must ensure that there are no gray areas. He draws from all the sides together. All texts are examined contextually. All texts are examined contextually and with full view of all the contents. All texts are examined contextually with full view of all the contents. Having said that, let's get into the subject matter, understanding, praise, and worship. The book of John, chapter 4, verse number 23. John, chapter 4, verse number 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, 
when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. Let's look at Jesus' statement. What brought about this summation here? From verse 19 of John chapter 4. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Next verse. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Next verse. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You know that what led to this conclusion was that Jesus asked the woman to give him water to drink. That was what led to all of this discourse. I want water, madam. He met her by the well. Please, can I have some water to drink? Look at that John chapter 4. Let's see the pretext of this subject. Verse 10. John chapter 4 verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, if thou knowest the gift of God, so she was ignorant of the gift of God. If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Look at the next verse. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Next verse. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Next verse. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. When you drink of Jesus, you never thirst anymore. The moment Jesus comes into your heart, you arrive at satisfaction. You're no more looking for anything else. Jesus is total satisfaction. Give me the next verse. Let's follow the discourse. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. 16. Jesus said unto her, Go, call your husband. I won't give you water. Until you bring your husband. And come hither. Next verse. (laughs) The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. You are not lying to me. I know about you more than you think I do. Next verse. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that says thou truly. Next verse. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, if you observe from this discourse, the woman went to town. 
she went to town and told them, come and see one man who told me everything I have done. That means everything the woman had done all her life was to marry. Who told me everything I have ever done? So that means all her life, she lived it marrying. You think it's a joke to marry five husbands? (laughs) Glory to God. Look at verse 19 again. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Give me 20 now. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Worshipped in this mountain. They were used to mountain worship. You know those churches where every time they go to mountain, they are descendants of this woman at the well. You understand? They are descendants. They are, they are from the offspring of this woman. Mountain worshippers. <laughs> Let's go to the mountain. Then she said to Jesus, but you say Jerusalem is the place. Our fathers use mountain. You say it is Jerusalem. Okay? Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. You say Jerusalem is the place. That was the discussion. Now, that's a contest between Jews and Samaritans. Okay? And the contest was on where to worship. Look at 21 to 23 now. Let's get into this. 21 to 23. Jesus said unto a woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. 22. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. Salvation is of, means from. That is salvation came from the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is. When the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. Now please listen carefully. Jesus mentions the word spirit and truth twice for us to study. Jesus said to the woman, you won't go to Jerusalem or to the mountain. You will worship in spirit and in truth. Then Jesus now said, For the Father seeketh such to worship. The word seeketh such to worship in the original doesn't mean the Father is looking for. It means something he intends to achieve. Something he himself intends to achieve. It's not something you are looking for. Or can I get a worshiper? I'm looking for a worshiper. Can I find a worshiper? No, 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 no. That's not what he meant when he said the father seek it. What he meant is the father intends to achieve producing worshippers. The father intends to achieve it. Some people say worship in spirit and in truth. You know, means to worship God with your heart and sincerity. No, that is not what it means. They are just doing incisions. They are actually reading their thoughts into the scriptures. So let's look at the word worship first. That word worship will enable us to have a perspective. And I'm taking my time because if you can't get it in the place of worship, you can't get it anywhere else. That's why I'm taking my time. Alright? 
So let's examine that word worship so we can have a perspective. The word worship is used in the Bible 332 times. 332 times. And it's a word that had to be translated as worship in English. Because you know, the history of Bible interpretation was from either Greek or Hebrew into what is called today an Anglo-Saxon language. Anglo-Saxon language. Where it goes into the Latin. Then it comes back into the English. Alright? Greek, Hebrew, Anglo-Saxon into Latin, Latin to English. Latin precedes the English language. It precedes the English translation of the Bible. And for the very first translation from Greek and Hebrew to what is close to the English. And that's what is called the Latin Vulgate. Okay? It was translated from Greek and Hebrew to the Latin Vulgate. Then from the Latin Vulgate to English language. So look at the the transitioning of translating the Bible. Alright? Now, so in the Anglo-Saxon is the word worship. The word worship was summarized as honor. In the Anglo-Saxon. It's translated as honor. Honoring something or honoring someone or honoring an institution or an honorable action. Worship. An honorable action. That word worship. In the Anglo-Saxon dictionary, the word worship is used for men, angels, things majorly used for deity. It's used for men, angels, or things that are majorly used for deity. Because of a quality of something or someone, because of a quality of something or someone that supersedes yours, you now pay obeisance to that person. You pay obeisance to that person, that is worship. When you see that the person's quality of life supersedes yours, you now pay obeisance to that person. That is worship from the Anglo-Saxon. Because of the higher quality or powers or authority, you now pay obeisance to that person. Because of that use of the word in the Anglo-Saxon, when it comes into English, that is why the English people now call worship singing. But hold on. The English people now call it singing. Alright? When you look at the scriptures, contextually, it becomes clearer from what Jesus was saying. The Old Testament uses a few words for the word worship. The first and the most principal word used in the Old Testament is the word Saka. S-H-A-C-H-A-H. In literal terms, when you look at that word, it implies to bow. To bow. Yeah. Saka. To bow. It also means to prostrate. To prostrate. That's the etymology. To prostrate. To bow. It's used 95 places. Like that in the Old Testament text. To bow down or to prostrate. To bow down or to prostrate. Please pay attention. 
It also implies to bow your head, to lay down, to prostrate, to bow your head, to lay down, or to prostrate. An example is Exodus chapter 4 verse 31, where we have what we call in Bible interpretation, the law of first mention. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. They bowed their heads and worshipped. So the very first mention of that word worship is in that Exodus 4.31. Then you will see again the use of the word worship in Genesis 22 verse 5. Genesis chapter 22 verse number 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. Now, when Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah, we all know the story. Notice that when they were going to Mount Moriah, there was no keyboard. No keyboard, no drums, no guitar, no saxophone, no flutes, no tambourine. All of that was not there. Yet, they were going yonder to worship. Please take note of that. They were going yonder to worship. So now he goes with his son. Let's examine the things he did to precede what he said. Genesis 22 verse 1 to 5. Let's look at the pretext. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Next verse. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young bed with him, and Isaac his son, and cleaved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Verse 5. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So, he was going and he took Isaac to offer. He took Isaac to offer. Notice, he is going to offer something to God. He is going to offer something to God. And he said, I and the young lad will go yonder to worship. Notice, the first mention of worship has nothing to do with singing. It has nothing. Please listen carefully. Remove your religious caps and throw them in the dustbin now. It has nothing to do with singing. You know, in the church world, they always say that when you sing blues, you are singing worship. Majesty, gently, gently, the spirit is moving. The worship will get heavier, gently. Majesty. 
majesty softly that one is drama all that is acting the first mention and you know the law of bible interpretation the law of first mention we have the law of first mention we have the law of double mention we have the law of emphatic mention Okay, the law of first mention says anywhere the word is first mentioned in the Bible carries with it an original flavor of that word. So now we see worship. The first time we saw worship is people bow their head, nobody singing. The second time we see worship is that they are carrying somebody to go and offer. No instruments, no guitar, not even a song. Not even a song. That's instructive, and that must be noted. Now, he says, I and the young lad will go yonder to honor God. That's the very first use of the word worship. Keep it somewhere because we'll come back there. Very first use of the word worship has nothing to do with music. The other word in the Hebrew is the word kagda. C-A-G-H-A-D-H. It means to fall down. You will see it in Isaiah 44 verse 15. Isaiah 44 verse 15. Then shall it be for a man to burn. For he will take thereof and warn himself. Yea, he kindled it and baked bread. Yea, he maketh a god and worshipped it. He maketh it a graven image and falleth down thereto. Falleth down. So worship always describes an action. He falls down. If you get home, you can read verse 17 and 19 of the same chapter 44 of Isaiah for more reading. Every time it is used, the word worship has to do with reverence. It includes reverence of mind or reverence of body or both. Mind and body. So the word worship goes beyond. It goes beyond, if at all, is going to include singing. It goes beyond. If at all, it is going to include singing. The word worship is not singing. The word worship is not a song. It's not a song. So if we come to the New Testament, we have a New Testament language called the Septuagint. The Septuagint. The Septuagint Greek. The Septuagint Greek means when words are transliterated from the Hebrew to the Greek, taking it literal from the Hebrew to the Greek. It's called the Septuagint Greek. Now, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, the words that translate the words is examined, saka, is the word proskonio in the Greek. Proskonio, P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O. It translates that word directly. Proskonio. It means to pay homage or to respect. So the word worship is used primarily in the Old Testament language for something that is given and then the attitude of the giver. Something that is given and the attitude of the giver. Of course, it involves what is being given and the attitude of the giving. The Orientals or the people that, you know, use this language, when they use proskonio, 
it was always demonstrated by a kiss. By a kiss. The use of the word proskuneo. It was always demonstrated by a kiss. The person you are worshipping or the person you are reverencing or the person you are bowing to in practical terms you actually lay on the floor and kiss his feet. That's the meaning of the word proskuneo in the Greek which is the literal translation of the Hebrew word sakar. Now, so when they do that they now say that action is a proskuneo. The second word that we saw in the Old Testament transliterated into the Greek is the word sebomai. S-E-B-O-M-A-I. Sebomai. It means to venerate. Sebomai. It means to venerate. Sebomai. Okay? When you have the word venerable, venerable, to venerate, it has four cognate nouns. Four cognate nouns of the word sebomai. Of course, you know what a cognate noun is. That is the things that explains the noun. A cognate noun are the things that explains the noun. Okay? So, it has four of it. The first one is sebozomai. Sebozomai. That's the first cognate of sebomai. Sebomai. The first one is Sebozomai. The second one is Eusebio. E-U-S-E-B-E-O. Sebozomai is S-E-B-O-Z-O-M-A-I. Somebody says, but what's the importance of all these words? Papa, just leave all those and just tell us this. You are not a serious person. The day you will meet a critic that understands this language and he breaks for you some of these Greek words and explains it for you, you'll just be there. Uh, because he has thrown you off balance by a display of intelligence. But once you understand it, even if you cannot speak the Greek words, but you understand the meanings and the cognate use of those nouns, when the person is talking, you're just waiting for him to land. As he lands, you take off. Because it's not strange. You think me too, I don't know how to quickly summarize so we can close. <laughs> you think I like just punishing myself? No, it's because it's necessary. It's because it's necessary. I'm just reading your minds quickly. I need to quickly settle that. They are very important, except you are not a serious person. Some of you, the people you'll be talking to during evangelism, some of them understand Latin. Some of them went to seminary. Some of them went to some of these schools and they understand all of this language. So when you finish talking and they, they now break some two Greek words and bring Latin and explain and ask you a question within the confine of that context of explanation, you will just be looking at them. You just say, uh, actually, I have not studied that. So how are you affected? You're already ashamed. A workman that is ashamed. Unrightly dividing the word of truth. But once you have subjected yourself to learning tediously and you've understood then you can stand boldly before anybody you can even ask anybody that cares to come and let you so you engage him in teaching or in helping it's so important it's so important glory to god four cognate words number one sebozomai 
Number two, Eusebio. Number three, Theosebis. T-H-E-O-S-E-B-E-S. T-H-E-O-S-E-B-E-S. You may not see them in the Bible text, but they are cognates of Sebomai. The fourth one is Sebasma. Sebasma. S-E-B-A-S-M-A. The root of this word is the word Seba. That's the root from all of them. That's where all these words emerge from. Seba. S-E-B-A. Simply means fear or awe. Fear or awe. In other words, worship must be preceded by an awe. That is, whatever will be worshipped must be held in awe. Whatever will be worshipped must be held in awe. Where you have the word fear. Whatever will be worshipped must be held in awe or must be held in fear. Of course, you know it's not that fear of cockroaches at night. Fear here is reverence. Something that is regarded. Something that is respected. In worship, it is not worship that elevates. Please, that's important. It is not worship that elevates. Rather, worship is done because the object is already elevated. You don't crown him. We crown him, crown him, crown him, crown him, crown him, crown him. We'll crown him, Lord of all. He's the one that is to crown you, not you crowning him. You are not worshipping him to make him. It is because he is. That is why you worship. It is not your worship that makes him. So when you sing those songs that seek to exalt, you are not the one that exalts Christ. He is already exalted. Wherefore God has highly exalted him. You are not the one to exalt him. He is already exalted. It is because he is exalted that you worship. It's not your worship that makes him. So it's not worship that elevates the object of worship. Rather, the object of worship is in an elevated status. That is why you worship. So worship in descriptions of the word means to prostrate, to fall down, to bow down, to bow your head. And it is based on certain things that you have awe or fear of that which is worshipped. Lifting up higher. You. You lift Jesus up. Can you lift yourself? An example of that is in Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at a practical example. The story of the wise men from the east. Observe again some close elements. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 and number 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Next verse. 
saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. We have seen his star. He's already a king. We have seen the star of the king. It is not we that will make him king. We have seen his star. All we have come to do is to worship. They came to Herod and called Jesus a king. A king is born. We have seen his star. So they had already seen him as a king. They were going to a king. They were not going to make a king. So what did they do? Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. They didn't see a child. They saw a king. They came to worship a king. So even though the king was packaged in the body of a baby, the body of the baby did not change the status of the king. Because before they came, they already saw that where they were going to was to worship a king. So when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were not singing when they came. They didn't come with drums. They didn't come with choir. They didn't sing. They fell down in reverence and accompanied with the falling down, they gave gifts. So worship is not a song. Worship is not instruments. Beyond all that is an attitude that is displayed in awe of one who is of a higher superior quality than yourself. They opened their treasure and presented him gifts. So that means worship involves giving something. You cannot be said to have worshipped if something is not given by you to the object of your worship. It involves giving something. Just like we read about Abraham. He gave something. He took Isaac and gave. Worship involves giving something. So they had seen him as something. They said he's the king of the Jews and based on that, they worshipped. So worship did not make him the king of the Jews. Rather, they worship him because he was or is the king of the Jews in their eyes. Some ingredients of worship which we have seen is the fact that worship involves offering. Something is given. In Old Testament text, a physical gift or an offering is brought forward in worship. Is brought forward in worship. So when you want to worship a deity, you bring something to worship. And obviously that was what Abraham did. However, because we said it involves the mind. Worship involves the mind. Let's see what Jesus said about worship in Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 and 9. 
These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Next verse. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So words were used, but their hearts were far. They were using words, but their hearts were far. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. But their hearts were far. The word vain, they worship in vain, oftentimes is used for earthly things, perishable things, things that do not last for eternity. So what he's saying is, they have used things, but their heart is not in it. They use words, they bring offering, but their heart is not in it. And he called it vain. He's not saying it is wrong to honor him with your lips. But he's saying their heart is far from me. So the condition of the heart is very important in worship. The condition of a man's heart is very important in worship. Notice, he said, they do worship me. So, they probably will bring things, they probably will bow down, they probably will fall down, but he said, their hearts are far from me. That's why we said it involves the veneration, not just of the body, but also of the mind and of the heart. Look at another place, Acts 7.40. Acts chapter 7 verse 40. Say unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Next verse. And they made a calf in those days, and offered sacrifice unto the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Next verse. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have you offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? Next verse. Yea, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Rempham, figures which you made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Now, so, they were claiming to worship God, but something else was what they were worshipping. So they thought they were worshipping God, but they didn't know they were worshipping something else. That's why it's dangerous to get involved in worshipping what you cannot explain. Okay? Look at Acts 24, 14. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Believing all things. So Paul refers to worship as believing the scriptures. Worship is believing the scriptures. See the way brother Paul intelligently introduced worship in that verse. Believing the scriptures. Jesus in Matthew 15 verse 9 saw through the worship as wrong. He said, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines. The commandments 
of men. In other words, the mode of doctrine affects worship. The mode of doctrine affects worship. You can never worship beyond your doctrinal persuasion. Your worship is a reflection of your doctrinal persuasion. That's why when I say you don't sing songs like Let me come and bow down. Where are you coming from? Which village? Let me come and bow down. Let me come. Let me come and bow down at your feet, Lord Jesus. In your presence. (laughs) Why are you crying? What have you said that should make you cry in that statement? Just wasted emotions. Wasted emotions. You're speaking nonsense and you're crying. But you don't blame them. That is what they were taught. So their doctrine convinced them that what they are doing is worship. But that's not worship. Draw me close to you. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> I... Stop that. Stop it. Stop it. Clean your eyes. Get your pen and your Bible. Your notebook. Sit down. Let's fix this thing. <laughs> You're all I want. Get born again. Because Jesus said, the water that I give you, when you drink it, you will never thirst again. I'm thirsty for you. (laughs) I'm longing for you. (laughs) I'm crying for you. (laughs) A bunch of emotions. Without revelation. Which becomes idol worship. You end up worshipping yourself. Ladies and gentlemen. The mode of doctrine. Affects worship. Very fundamental. Worship is affected by teaching. A Christian's worship of God or anybody's worship of God will be influenced or dictated by the teachings he is exposed to. A wrong interpretation of the scripture cannot produce the right kind of worship. A wrong interpretation of the scriptures cannot produce the right kind of worship. Because that's where the robber meets the road. So when Jesus was speaking and he said in John 4, 23 to 24. Put it up for me quickly. John 4, 23 to 24. He says, but the hour cometh and now is. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. God is a spirit. 
And they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Did you observe he mentioned true worshippers? True worshippers. For there to be that distinction means every worshipper is not a true worshipper. True worshippers. Many are worshipping but they are not worshipping. Hebrews 10.1 as a round of this Are you blessed? For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never if your Bible is mine that is a good one to cycle can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commerce thereunto perfect. Look at verse 2. For then will they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers, true worshippers, that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. If what they were offering was the right worship, it should have freed their conscience from sin. So, when a true worshipper is found, he doesn't have a consciousness of sin. True worshippers are not conscious of sin. Their conscience has been purged. So, once a worshipper is thinking of sin, he is not a true worshipper. Once a worshipper is confessing sin, he is not a true worshipper. We are not talking of song now. We are talking about you. Worship is not a song. We are talking about you. True worshippers, he is calling them worshippers by the fact that they brought sacrifice to the temple. That's why he called them worshippers. And they were offering year by year. So quickly, Philippians 3 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Glory to God. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice not in a song. We rejoice not in a good voice. We rejoice, not in instruments. We rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in anything material. Our worship is our revelation. We have no confidence in the flesh. It's not in our clapping of hands. It's not in any... No. It is a circumcision. An inward transformation by an amalgamation between mortality and immortality. A matoma lekita. A union of deity with humanity. Or immortality taking up residence in mortality. That union is the worship of God. It's not a song. That union is the worship of God. You need to understand this to know what Jesus said. So notice again, Hebrews 10 to, I want to close with that Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 2. Put it up brother quickly, quickly. For then, will they not have ceased to be offered? 
Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. By virtue of the fact that they brought offering into the temple, they were called worshippers. The New Testament or the epistles carry the thought of six things when you are talking about worship. We are that circumcision. And in that circumcision, we worship God. Yeah, we worship God. What is that circumcision? That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. We worship God where? In spirit, which is the new birth. In our identity is the worship of God. Stand on your feet. That's all I've got for you tonight. Hallelujah. In our identity is the worship of God. Not in a song. So don't stop your worship to sing a song. You didn't hear that. Don't stop your worship to sing a song. I can't go to a church where we don't sing and sweat. Go and join a cultural group. Just join a cultural group where it becomes your occupation. Entertaining people. We are not here in entertainment. We are here. This is a serious business. This is deity and humanity. In intimacy, in fellowship. Praise God. Lift your right hands. Father, we pray for everybody in this building, online, on television, on radio, everywhere around the world, your people are listening to your word. Revelation knowledge grows big on your inside until nothing else matters. In the name of Jesus. And I decree that the eyes of your understanding are flooded. You walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You are fruitful unto every good work. And I decree that by reason of the word of God, you are growing daily in the knowledge of Christ, rooted, established, grounded, and enriched in all things. In the name of Jesus. And I decree that through the course of this week, you will enjoy the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So I decree that every day of this week will be victory, 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 victory. In the name of Jesus. Sick bodies be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Can we celebrate what we have had with a shout, a jump, a scream? Glory! Woo! Amen! I'd like you to get an offering. We give in honor of the word. We give in response to the word. We give with an understanding. Every time we hear the word. So whether you're watching online, on TV, social media, radio, wherever you are. We give to honor the word and we give in worship. We give to respond to the word of his grace. And every time we hear the word in this church, we give. We are givers. We give because that's who we are. For God so loved the word that he gave. Whatever is born of God is a giver. God's DNA flows through us. We give naturally, we give with joy, and always an honor to give to the work of God. Can I have a good amen? amen? Lift up your offerings, Father. We give with joy, and we give in honor of what Christ has done. Thank you for the privilege to give our resources and to worship you with it. 
Lord, we decree that our resources rise before you a sweet smell. And we decree for your people that your needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Now listen to me, online community, television, and everybody connected. I'm going to be joining Mr. Michael Bush in another few seconds. And until I see you at the other studio, let's celebrate our viewers around the world for being a part of this service. Glory! Amen! We trust that you have been blessed by this message. For these, all the messages, and books by Dr. Abel Damino, please call Plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. I'm super excited to welcome you to the global headquarters of Power City International right here. My name is Michael Bush. Okay, at this point, permit me to welcome to the program Global Baba. Intercontinental, Mr. Bush. Dr. Abel Damina is here oh with me. Oh my goodness, so good to have you here tonight. Yes, um, Global Baba, we just pray, as we always do. Yes, the Intercontinental. To set the stage. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice that we have access tonight, and we thank you that our prayers are answered even before we call. We pray for Kwaibom State. We pray for our governor and his cabinet. We pray for Nigeria. We pray for the president and his cabinet. We pray for all of Africa and the rest of the world. We decree and we declare that the gospel continues to thrive. The light of the gospel, the glorious light shines in the dark places of the earth. We decree that the enemy keeps losing grounds every day. As believers are multiplied, disciples are multiplied, ministers are raised in every continent, every tongue, tribe and people. And we decree that the word of your grace forcefully breaks through, breaks through every man's world. And we thank you for mass salvation and mass multiplication of disciples in the true gospel. We also pray that our governments will continue to come under the influence of righteousness and create enabling environments for potentials in our societies to thrive and find expression. And we thank you for answer prayer tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. So we start from you. This one is anonymous. It says uh, greetings. Global Baba, Dr. Damina, and Intercontinental Mr. Michael Bush. Please, Global Baba, I want to understand what Jesus' parable of the laborers meant according to Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. Will the first be the last? Well, again, it, it was a parable that was explaining the grace of God. That it's not of you that will it, neither of you that run it. It is not about whether, you know, you are struggling hard to know God or struggling hard to serve God. It's not about even when you got bo- when you discovered God or when you didn't discover God. It's all about the grace of God. That's what he meant by people who came in the morning to labor and people came one hour to the end of the labor and those that came one hour to the end were paid the same with those who came from the beginning because there is no boasting. There is no boasting. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. There is no boasting in what Christ has made available equally to everyone who comes to him. Okay, Global Baba, we make progress. And PJ doesn't tell us where he's writing, he or she is writing from, so we take that it should also be from Uyo. He says, hello, Global Baba. Please, what is the place of raptured saints whose works are bad? What does escaping by fire mean? Please explain First Corinthians 3, 10, and then 13 to 15. Well, escaping by fire was just a figure that Brother Paul was using to show that there would be judgment. 
that all the works will be judged. And the fire there was symbolic of judgment. Alright, so its figure is a figure of communication. That everything we've done in the body will be tested by fire. And if it is burnt, you will suffer loss. And if it escapes the fire, you'll be rewarded. So whatever we do in the kingdom of God, whatever we do in the place of service, we've got to do with the right motives. And we've got to do it knowing that, you know, we are doing it unto the Lord Jesus himself. And that we'll be rewarded by him for the things we have done. That's exactly what Brother Paul was communicating in that scripture. Okay, Global Papa, let's um, just quickly leave Akwaibom State. So we go to next door across River State, Calabasas. Greetings, Mr. Bush, and my dear Global Baba Damina. I want Global Baba to please counsel my friend Oinye Kauzulu Joseph for recovery from sickness and restoration of his family in Astaba Delta State. Thank you, sir, for your response. Elder Ethiong Yu from Calabar. Father, we pray for our brother and we rejoice that his body is healed. His family is restored and peace upon him and his family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, this one, Anonymous says, please, uh, Global Baba, uh, counsel me as I need to settle down. I've been positioning myself for the right man to find me, but none has found me yet. Please, Global Baba, is there something I'm not doing? And um, please, can you help with uh, praying for circumstances to be arranged for my would-be husband to find me? Yes, we're going to pray, but get busy. Get busy with life. Stop waiting for husband. Get busy. Find something and get busy. Because see, if you're very busy doing what you need to be doing, husband will find you. Remember, he that findeth a wife, not he that a wife findeth. So get busy. Keep busy, you know, doing something. A lot of ladies don't get busy. They just sit down and be waiting for a husband and don't do anything. No, get busy. Get something to do and get, you know, something that is a passion and be lost in it. And just enjoy yourself. Husband will look for you. Father, we agree together right now that circumstances are arranged for this sister to be found by the man that will be compatible to her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Global Baba, still from Cross River State, says, hello, our beloved Global Baba. We are really blessed by your teachings. Please, where is the branch of your church in Ecom Cross River State? Anonymous. Well, in Ecom, we are just about to launch campuses in Ecom. We are sending missionaries to Ecom very shortly. So what you do is stay in touch with us. When we begin the campuses in Ecom, we are going to announce it so you can identify with the brethren. We have a lot of people in Ecom waiting for the campus. We are sending missionaries down. Okay, still from Cross River State, although this one is anonymous, doesn't tell us also where he or she is writing from. He says, hello, dear man of God, please pray for and counsel me. I've been having disappointments in marital issues. Men would come to me. They start off marriage classes with me, but would disappear suddenly without notice. Please help me. Is there something I'm not doing well? Yeah, there may be something you're not doing well that is sending them away. So you need to check your character. You need to check your temperaments. You need to check your lifestyle. You need to check your values. You need to check a number of things. You need to examine them. If possible, you need to see your pastor or somebody close by who will be honest with you, who is experienced. And share with him what really happened in all the different cases. You know, and uh, he could be able to see through into what they saw in you and give you proper counsel. Or you talk to people, male friends who know you very well. And ask them to give you a sincere assessment of your character, what they perceive of you. It's important because sometimes it's very, very easy when you're able to look inward and make certain adjustments. So that the next person who comes will not also run away 
from the same thing that other people run away from. We're heading out of uh, Calabar Crossable States, and this one, hello, Dr. Damina for the road. This is Joy Elwe, Senior Marketing Manager of Hosanna TV. We want you, sir, to broadcast your messages on our TV channel and station and bless more people. How do we reach you? Well, you can reach our office. Reach our office, Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Just send a mail with your proposal. I'm sure our team will look at it and see if it is possible, and they will get back to you. Okay, um, I don't know. We head from, uh, we're still on the road from Cross River State, so we can go to Benue. Uh, hello, Dr. Damina. I just watched you on Warp TV. I am from Benue State. Please counsel and pray for my auntie, Mercy Obaje Nathaniel, whose body is believed to be under constant attack. We'll pray for you towards the end of the broadcast, all the people who want prayers. Okay, so we head to. Um, Charles Eze is in Joss, Plateau State, Nigeria. Says, hello, Global Baba. I'm watching from Joss. God bless you, sir, for your teaching. Your teaching makes the word of God so sweet, unlike many preachers who have so discouraged many with wrong and wicked preaching. Yes, Global Baba, I'd like you to dwell on this. What's the difference between the message you send out, you dole out? Do you see how everyone warms up to it? What's the difference between that or this and that? Well, the difference is what I preach is life after the cross. What most preachers preach is life before the cross. And when you emphasize life before the cross, you make the cross of Christ of non-effect. The reason for after the cross is because of before the cross. That is why Jesus came. And since he came, the New Testament has retired the Old Testament with retirement benefits. Therefore, what Christ has done should give us joy. Should give us acceptance. You know, the Bible talks about the ministry of death, the ministry of life, the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness. The Bible talks about Mount Sinai and Zion. I preach from Zion. I preach righteousness. I preach the spirit. Most preachers preach Sinai, condemnation. They preach the yoke and the burden. And they put people under captivity. That way people cannot enjoy God. It is the liberty that Christ gave us. That gives us the reason to enjoy what Christ died for. We are beneficiaries. We are not the ones to die. We are just to enjoy. So many preachers need to revisit the mountain from where they preach. Whether it is Sinai or Zion. That will make the difference. Fantastic, Global Baba. And you end just in time for a first caller. Hello. Hello. Many thanks for joining yes. us. Your name, where you calling from? Yes, go ahead. Yes, I'm calling. I'm calling from Calabar. Okay. My name is Albert. Albert, go ahead. Yes, please. I want to thank Global Papa for all what he have done. I've been following him right from the 30 days glory and 60 days glory. I want to thank him very much and say God will bless him for introducing Christ to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Albert. Okay. Albert, thank you. Okay, so we, we go to Anonymous out of Joss now and heading up to some other parts of the country. Anonymous said, uh, Dear Dr. Abel Damina, please clarify for me concerning Matthew 23.9. Matthew 23.9. That Put says, it don't call anyone on earth father. Okay. I hear believers call a pastor, minister of the word, father. Some say papa. Is that not father? Please assist me. And some call him Papito. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, a, global there's, there's a call before. <laughs> yeah, sure. Before. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. This caller. Hello. 
Hello, Mr. Bush. Good evening. Fantastic. Welcome to our show. Your name, where you calling from? Global. Good evening. Evening. Bless you. My name is Ima Samuel. I'm calling from you. Yes, Ima. Go ahead. Uh, Global Baba, my question is, I don't know. Since I started listening to you, there's this confidence in me. I pray for myself whenever I have any challenges. But I don't know why some people are still calling to say, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Is it that they don't really understand that they can pray for themselves as well? <laughs> some of them may be new, and some of them may have just started listening. After a while, as they keep following and listening, the prayer requests will reduce. We just have to be patient with a few of them. I'm very sure some of them are just new, some are learning. Those of you that have followed for a long time, you don't send me prayer requests anymore. The prayer requests used to be much more than what we have now. So it means people are learning, they are growing, and they are coming on. And we can never get tired of praying for them until they come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you for the observation. Let's, Bless, let's you. Make Bless you. Dear Dr. Ebel Damina, my name is Enoch Gustin. I've been following your messages, uh, which the Holy Spirit confirms in my heart, along with the Word of God, are true. I, however, have a genuine question about heaven being our home, as most preachers teach. Is heaven our home, Global Baba? I believe that whatsoever God does is forever, and man was created to rule the earth. So if heaven is our home, what happens to the new earth when it comes? John 14, Global Baba teaches us that Jesus is taking us to his father's house, not our house, so that we might also be where he is. Are we not guests in heaven? Did God create us so that in the end those of us who believe in his son might be in heaven forever? I'm quite confused because the teaching everywhere now is heaven is the goal. Well, the truth of the matter is heaven and earth were together until the fall of man. And heaven and earth were created for man. But the fall of man brought that distinction. Therefore, this earth has been corrupted by the sin of man. That is why this earth will be folded like, you know, like a cloth. And then all of us will drop these bodies, which is earthly, and put on the heavenly body so we can live in our heavenly reality. The word heaven is not a planet. The word heaven is euphoreneous, which means immaterial. That is our realm, is the immaterial realm. So this earth, which is matter, will be taken out. And we will live in the immaterial where we already are right now. That home that Jesus went to prepare, he has already prepared it, we are already in it. That is our present reality in Christ Jesus. So heaven is not our goal. It's not our goal. Our goal has been achieved, which is Christ in us, which makes heaven a reality. I hope that helps, but if you can order from our office the believer's reality in Christ, the believer's reality is part one to six. All those explanations in details with scripture will be found there. Thank you. I told we have another caller. Hello. Good evening, Baba Baba. Good evening. Thank you so much for the great job you are doing for the body of Christ. Thank you. I love you, Michael Bush. Love you, brother. Love you more. What's your name? My name is Joe Bode. Okay. Calling from Benway State. Wow. Fantastic. Passing that through Benway in a moment. The issue that we hear preachers about restitution. What is really the biblical stand on this restitution of a thing? There is no biblical stand on restitution. We don't restitute as New Testament believers. There's no teaching on it in the entire New Testament. 
If anybody could have done restitution, it would have been Apostle Paul, who wasted many people in the church. But there's no restitution. Brother Paul just says, if any man in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, all things are new. We don't restitute in the new covenant. We receive the forgiveness of God eternally and the forgiveness of sin. So restitution is not a prerequisite in the New Testament. However, if you had somebody's stuff with you and now you're born again and you don't feel comfortable keeping it and you know where the person is, there's nothing wrong in taking it back to him. Nothing wrong. But it's not a requirement in the New Testament for salvation. Another caller. Hello. Hello, sir. Many thanks, ma'am, for joining us. Your name, where you my, calling from? My name is Sarah John. I'm calling from Bauchi. Wow. Okay. Bless you. Daddy, I want you to pray for me. I have been having problem with my heart and my kidney. Wow. All right, let's pray for you. Father, we speak to her heart. Amen. We speak to her kidney, Amen. her organs. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. receive a miracle. Amen. Healing. Amen. Restoration. Amen. We command you heart and kidney be healed. Amen. Be healed. Amen. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay, quickly, quickly, while still awaiting many more calls and callers, let's go on to this anonymous uh, entry. Hello, Global Baba. I just want to take our time and tell you that your sons brought us great news. Their message was clear. Truly, they are your products. They are products of Global Baba Bishop, Dr. Abel Damina. Before now, I was conscious of sin and really affected my spiritual life. But since I started watching Kellen, I overcame that sin consciousness. My spiritual life is better and I'm joyful. I just want to thank you so much, Global Baba. Wow. He's referring yeah, to yes, Pastor to Gabriel and Dr. Company. Dr. Gabriel and his yeah, team. Dr. Gabriel, Pastor Philemon, Pastor Okbeyemi from Uyo, and Pastor Clinton from Uyo. Wow. They were just a team. They, they rocked the whole place. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah Fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, Global Baba, so all this Your while... Your chilled wine is arriving. <laughs> all this while I've been deceiving myself, I'm going to be second Global Baba is alive. No, 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 no. There's a caller on the line. Hello, thank you for joining us. Your name, where you calling from? Hello, sir. Yes, go ahead. Okay, I'm calling from... Okay. Sir, I want to update for you, for the world. The teachings, the teachings have really blessed me. I don't, I now come to understand that even in the old testament, I will not do what God. Hello, sir. Yes, yeah, we can hear you. Just go ahead. Hello, oh, sir. There's something I want to discuss quickly because I am an evangelist. The four teachings I did, I read from. Okay, if you want to talk with me about something, all you need to do is after the broadcasting, I'd call that number and tell them to give you an appointment and they'll give you an appointment when you can meet me in the office and we can talk. But thank you for calling. Fantastically so. Okay, just in time, we're going to Lagos, Nigeria, and this would be the last port of call. I'm in Nigeria before we leave the country. Um, Johnson O, writing from Lagos, says, Hello, Mr. Bush and Dr. Abel Damina. Grace and wisdom continually abounds unto you. Please, I have some questions about marriage. One, was polygamy abolished in the New Testament? 
Well, again, what was God's plan from the beginning? Male and female, husband and wife. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That was the original plan. That was God's wisdom, God's intent. All right? And even in the Old Testament, it's not as if polygamy was God's plan. Moses said it's because of the heart of man that all of those things happen. However, that does not stop a man from getting saved. It doesn't stop a man from being born again. It doesn't stop a man from receiving Christ. But if you observe carefully in the New Testament, Brother Paul now took time to say a bishop then must, M-U-S-T, a bishop, a pastor, must be the husband of one wife. That's the only place you will see such strict instruction in the New Testament. All right? But however, we always advise it's better to stick to God's wisdom, you know, and stay with what God's wisdom is. It makes life easy for you and it will help you live very long if you have one wife. It will help you live long. Johnson, we are back to you. When a polygamist, global Baba, becomes born again, how should he handle his multiple wives? Well, when he becomes born again, he, he gets born again with all his multiple <laughs> wives and brings them to church. church group, all of them will, you know. Global Baba, I knew that answer. I know. I knew you already do me. <laughs> okay. somebody, somebody called me. Absolutely. Somebody called me yesterday and said, I love the chemistry between you and Mr. Bush. Uh, sure. <laughs> I love the way the chemistry. Yeah. I love it myself. The person said to me that yesterday and mm. I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> he okay. said, tell Mr. Bush I said sure, so. Sure. So I have told you, I'm sure the person I, is watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. These callers, they're back on the line. Hello. Just go ahead. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Your name, where you calling from? Good evening. Evening. How are you, Global Sabah? We are fantastic. Two of us, like that. Yeah. This is Philly calling from Victoria. Philly, Victoria! <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good, Philly. How are you? I'm good at yourself. Totally blessed. Yes. Uh, I just, I just want to appreciate Papa. Thank you so much, Papa, for taking time to study in the Psalms research to us for our education as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for introducing us to life after the cross. Amen. All right. Yes, so I just want to ask all of us to get materials, study, and grow so that we can be able to be disciples and become bold in spreading this gospel to the blue mother planet. Thank you so much, Papa. Amen. Amen, Philly. Philly Sitola, send me well to our brethren on Facebook Live and the other online That's platforms. Right. So we right. come back to you, Johnson Owen Lagos. Global Baba, yes. can a believer marry his or her cousin, her niece, uh, his or her niece, his or her nephew in societies where such marriages are generally accepted? I'm sure he's asking that question because Global Baba says uh, marriage is cultural. Yep. It's already, you've already answered. Mm. Marriage is cultural. If it is permitted within your culture, why not? Yeah, because nothing, you cannot do anything if it is permitted. If it's your culture. culture. <laughs> no, it's cultural. Global Baba. Yes. Okay, so what is the Bible's sign on surrogacy? Uh, example, when a married woman cannot conceive, then she and her husband agree to get another lady to carry the husband's child. Thank you. It's allowed. I mean, it's just what you guys agree. If you agree, you and husband and that lady, you know, uh, I mean... It's, it's allowed. Surrogacy. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. Yes, sure. Mary was Jesus' surrogate mother. Ah. It was surrogacy. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And Joseph was just there standing Joseph and watching. Just, they had to give support, moral support. <laughs> we make progress to Amazonia next. And Skirt is writing. Skirt by Oscar. Oh, Skirt. <laughs> I thought he was shooting. Skirt is writing. Yes, he's writing. Very good. Very yeah, so good. it's good that uh, many, a good people, guy. many yeah. people from Facebook Live are also are reaching out in. to us. Okay, yes. we appreciate really? that. Really? He says, hello, sweet daddy. Thank you for being there for the entire world to come out of motivational preaching. Daddy, please, my daughter, Clemence, has traveled out, and she now has a problem for work permit and stay. Please, Daddy, she really needs a job, and the, I think this is residential documents, to be able to help herself, her family, and friends. Join me as a spirit. Let's see you to pray for her. And uh, goes on. Please, Global Baba, I require explanation on Isaiah 53.5, given that the general context of that discourse was about the redemptive sacrifice of Christ for salvation. How is it that we liken the phrase by stripes were healed to physical healing? I'm wondering if in the context of the entire discourse... It's because they have not studied it contextually. And number two is because out of the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus anyway, we also receive healing. So that's why most people use that scripture for physical healing. But, you know, we join you in faith. And at the end of this, we'll pray for your daughter and trust God for a miracle. Praise God. Thank you, Scared, for writing. Another caller. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Your name, where you calling from? One minute. I'm calling from Ina, Niger State. My, I want to ask. A, I've been following the teaching and I'm enjoying it, but there's a question troubling my heart. What's your I name? Want, I want a clarification. What's your name? My name is Pastor Paul Suleiman. Okay, go ahead with your question. Okay, the question is: Papa uh, has been teaching about the. Uh, God cannot destroy anyone. Well, I'm enjoying it, but I want to ask a question about what happened in the day of Noah. Who destroyed in the day of Noah? Is it God or Satan? Well, again, if you've been following, I'm sure it's not long ago. So, this is it. The destruction of the world of Noah was the absence of God. Noah preached for 120 years of God's long suffering. When the people rejected the gospel, God does not force people. When the people rejected the gospel, the Bible tells us the day Noah entered the ark and the door was locked, the entrance of Noah into the ark was the withdrawal of God. And the absence of God is destruction. That's exactly what happened in the world of Noah. Okay, so from Amazonia, we are going to the Republic of Cameroon. And um, Global Baba, I hope you understand that geography. I, I, am, I am feeling you, man. <laughs> okay, so we are... In Cameroon now, says, Hello, Global Bar Badamina, Mr. Intercontinental Michael Bush. Sir, thank you so much for the enlightenment you bring to my ministry. I'm Evangelist David. I write from Cameroon. Please, sir, I want you to throw more light on this. I heard you talk about um, that when you're reading the Bible, there are many laws, and that God doesn't kill or punish. Then what about all the prophets who were, who were prophesying, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, they prophesied the plague and the anger and the wrath of God. They said, Thus said the Lord of Israel, I will make your enemies overpower you. You shall go into ex exile. Uh, anyone who doesn't go to ex um, on exile, uh, on the command of Nebuchadnezzar, will die. What can you say about that? I thought we treated this. I think we did. And then I need to make a an observation. Sure. Sure. Scared said that first part of the email is not from him. 
Oh. The daughter part is oh. somebody else. Oh, because I was wondering, His I said, only part eh. is the last part. Okay, because I was wondering, I said, oh, this kid that I've been We've going been with. praying for. Oh, and, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's the father. Uh, and the big something like, like that. that. Okay. No, he's not so the one. Okay, we understand. So it's it. clear now. Fantastic. So the Fantastic. person who prayed, asked for his daughter will pray for at the end I of the I thought so in the spirit. I, I also thought, thought so myself. So. I just said, I'm scared, daughter. Yes. Who's scared is that? Maybe spiritual daughter. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, scared we take note of that. This is another caller. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Your name, where you calling from? Hello, Global Baba. Evening. Evening. Bless you. Uh, hi, my name is Uso, calling from Italy. Okay. I've been following your program since the past uh, two years. But uh, I tried calling ever since it has not been connecting. All the way, thank you for your message and for your enlightenment. Praise God. And uh, I have a little problem here, which uh, they've been giving a different problem from the government. And uh, now I am losing faith. I don't know what to do again. I decided to call on you to pray for me, the family, to be free from the police issue. Okay, an issue with the government or with the police? Yes. All right, we want to join you in prayer and we trust God that things will be resolved in your favor. Father, we speak to all of the confusion, the tension, the complications. We dissolve them right now. We rebuke the storm. We rebuke the wind. We rebuke the waves. Peace! Be still Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we ask that the police, that something be stirred up within the police force. The favor of God go to work. Circumstances are arranged to work out things to favor you. Receive a miracle right now. Amen. A miracle Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Global Baba, we're coming back for some more action here. But before we make progress, there's still Evangelist David in Cameroon. Yes. The question about prophecies, about God not well, killing. Well, the Old Testament that. prophets wrote based on the revelation and based on the light they had. Remember, if you've been following, that the Old Testament is progressive revelation. The prophets of the Old Testament prophesied, but didn't know what they were saying. So sometimes after they prophesied, they use their own understanding to explain things and expantiate on things. And some of those things were not an accurate description of God's character. That is why Jesus came to reveal to us the character of God. So Jesus is the revelation of God's nature and God's character. Meaning, what you can find in Jesus, what you can see Jesus do, even if the prophets of the Old Testament claim that it was God, you have to discard it because Jesus is the accurate revelation of God to humanity. Cameroon, this time in Limbe, Reverend Humphrey, writing from Limbe, Cameroon. Global Baba, I just want to thank you for this great job you are doing in educating and delivering the world from false messages. I want to say I'm being blessed by your teachings and that in the past one month, my understanding of the gospel of Christ has changed. It is now different. Thank you, Global Baba. Amen. Thank you also. Yeah, that's good. Still, yes. still from Cameroon. Again, this time, Prince Will Moa. He says, I'm one of your diligent followers and really aspire to meet and sit under your leadership and mentorship. Please, Pastor, I wish to be cleared about spiritual fatherhood. 
Isn't a believer liable to his choice of mentor or father? That is, can't a believer decide who he wishes to submit to as a mentor? Should pastors impose their mentorship of fatherhood on believers? Thank you. Well, first of all, no pastor is permitted to impose himself on you as a father. Fathers are discovered, and this is the yardstick for discovering a father. A spiritual father is someone who builds doctrine into you and builds ministry out of you. The person that is responsible for your doctrinal persuasion or the person that handed over to you your body of truth from scripture that you are persuaded about. That's the person that becomes your spiritual father. And somebody asks if it is okay to call somebody a father. Because the Bible says, call no man your father on the earth. Remember when Jesus said that it was in a context. He was first of all talking about false prophets, false teachers, Pharisees. And then he talked about the fact that Pharisees like to sit in high places. And then after explaining all their activities, he now says, call none of these Pharisees and false prophets your father on the earth. Don't forget that when he says call no one, it also includes your biological father. So is Jesus saying you should deny your biological father? No, that, that is not what he was talking about. You know, so what Jesus was talking about was the false prophet, the Pharisees. But Jesus, you know, had parents. He even called them fathers. Brother Paul called some people his sons. And some people called Brother Paul their fathers. So spiritual fatherhood is a responsibility on a person who is responsible for your doctrinal persuasion and for the body of truth that is communicated to you. That's the person that becomes your spiritual father. No, Baba, that's just so nice. I like that part about um, call no one your father. What Jesus was also saying, don't call your earthly Biological, father. Yeah. father. Exactly. That's very, very good reasoning. Exactly. I'm running from Cameroon to Zambia, and this would be the last um, country I would do in Africa on this edition of the program. It says, hello, Global Baba and Mr. Intercontinental Michael Bush. My name is Zobright Nyerinda, and I write from Nyerinda. Yes, that's how I should be, from Zambia. I've been a follower of the teachings, and I can testify they have really helped me grow and come to a place of understanding. Thank you so much for the labor of love, Lobuba. But I have a question, though. Can God be against believers meeting together? Meeting together? Yes. No, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, I'm there in their midst. But again, it depends on what are you meeting together for. Mm. The content of the meeting is critical, because the only one that pleases God will be when you tabernacle around the message of Christ. Okay, Global Baba next to Germany says hello, Global Baba and uh, Mr. Intercontinental Michael Bush. May the Lord continually strengthen you too and uh, make you uh, get mighty in your inner man in Jesus' name. Amen. Global Baba, please, I will need the Christocentric meal. Please, how can I obtain it here in Germany? Ikenna from Germany. Please, I would like you to recommend books for me that will help me grow so that I can also be a lighthouse believer. I must do away with fear, which is the major part that needs to be dealt with. Also, knowing my authority in Christ, and no more sense knowledge, but revelation knowledge. I just want to be as bold as you are. These are my desires, Global Baba. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bush. My name is Ikenna from Germany. Ikenna, so good to hear from you. When you send a mail to our office here, just send a mail, ask for the books. We will give you a list of all our books, about 30 of them or even more. There's one that will be ready next week, you know, uh, a book on the... The, 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 the communion table, a very powerful book, you know. It will be ready next week or so. So if you email us, we'll be able to make sure you get all the books there in Germany. Thank you. Okay, Global Baba, I, I think we just spent the night in Germany. So let's um, stay on because I have some longish entry coming from, um, says my name is Jane, my fiancé is Peter, 
and both of us are writing from IFTA in Germany. It says, Dear Apostle Damina and Mr. Michael Bush, greetings to you, both in the name of our Lord. Global Baba, may the Lord continue to strengthen you as you continue to flood this blue marble planet with the fragrance of God's word. May you be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. My question, Global Baba, you've been teaching us the importance of the words we speak and that we should acknowledge the in-Christ realities all the time. You have also taught us that God's intention from the beginning is that man lives on the word. I personally do that all the time and I have seen the results. Yesterday as I was listening to the in-Christ realities part uh, 23, 5, I don't understand that, mm-hmm. where you were teaching on adoption of sons. You mentioned that it's the spirit of fear that makes people go confessing things like, with the stripes I'm healed, I'm rich. You said that when you know that, that you know, you do not need to go confessing. What then are we supposed to confess? We confess Christ. We confess Christ. We confess what Christ has done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection because that is the basis on which we are saved and that is the basis on which we relate with God. We confess Christ and his finished works. Okay. No, Baba, I have a very interesting, very interesting um, prayer request and I'm going to take that even as we round off the program. It says, Global Baba, I would like to settle down in marriage with my fiancé. Please pray that he makes the necessary move and that any delays or hindrances are removed out of the way. My name is Jane. My fiancé is Peter. Both of us are in Easter, Germany. Papa, how do you pray that kind of prayer? Uh, we just uh, <laughs> we pray in tongues. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so there is... Uh, that okay, you will have so, boldness to no, take this step. Absolutely. Yes. Papa, there are many prayer points. So yes. just yes. go ahead and lay yes. your hands. So we just go ahead and pray. Mm. Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for all of the brethren who reached out to us those in need of healing, we command that they receive healing right now Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sick bodies be healed. Amen. Satan, get your hands off of God's property. Bodies be healed. We pray for those seeking favor this week. Receive favor. Receive a miracle of God's favor. Amen. We command crooked paths be made straight in your business, your career, your jobs. We command that you have wisdom, you have strategy, you know exactly what to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And we decree those in need of life partners and those who need to make, take steps concerning marriage, whatever is delaying, the delay is taken out. And we decree that circumstances work together to make those marriages possible. Father, we pray for people that are married who need fruit of the womb. Amen. We command a miracle. Receive the miracle of fruitfulness Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray for students. We pray for young people. We ask for supernatural ideas, concepts, insights, opportunities, Amen. the favor of God. Amen. And we thank you, Father, for answered prayer tonight. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Okay, Global Baba, there are two um, sticking points. There's two talking points that we just, they have. So when we come tomorrow, we open the program with it. Okay. Number one will be that point about people requesting prayers. Yes. It's something i like us to dwell on. And then there is another issue there that I also would love us to dwell on. That would be, you see, Global Baba, so when there was no riot life. Yes. How were the people of God coping with all these um, conditions they, they yes. have? Yes. You know, I keep thinking about it. What were they doing? I agree. Who were they going to? I agree. So that's why Global um, Riot Life and Ask the Counselor should continue. But Global Bar, because of time and the lack of it, we just must go at this point. Many thanks for staying with us. Tomorrow is another day. My name is Michael Bush. Let's do it this together. Global Baba, we need to go. The Intercontinental, Mr. Bush. What a day, what a day. Make sure you follow all the broadcasts on Radio Aquaibom, XLFM, Comfort, all the broadcasts. Tomorrow, they just run through. And tomorrow evening, 6 p.m., we'll be here again with Mr. Michael Bush. Invite more people to be part of it as we continue exploring 
praise and worship in the New Testament. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ and be blessed. Goodbye from Uyo, Nigeria. Amen. Praise.